0: We're going to do something special this morning. Instead of a, a, a typical sermon, I'm going to invite all the kids to gather up on the stage. They can sit on the steps. They could sit on the peninsula. If we can get some of the older youth to maybe uh, carry your younger siblings and just kind of keep them corralled. But we're going to read a Christmas story this morning to the kids. Every kid loves to be read to. So come on up the The young at heart are invited to look at all these beautiful children. There you go, plenty of room for everybody. oh, there's some back here too. Look at that. Look how blessed our church is. Look at all these beautiful children, just out of curiosity uh by show of hands. Who has a, a really big kid living at home who just loves Christmas? You know, like you've got an adult child at home that just if you want to come up here, there there's room for you to you know what? Everything I'm gonna show the kids in this book will be up on the screen, so we're all gonna get a story this morning. All right. So we've got we've got an actual baby little baby boy here to Give the kids a visual. So here's what I want you to do, kids. I want you to close your eyes for a second. And I want you to picture something in your mind. Picture a beautiful palace that a king lives in. And inside this palace is everything that you could possibly imagine that would make you happy. That there's peace in there, and the best food you've ever eaten, and so much love you don't know what to do with it, and no fear, and all of your friends and family, people that you haven't seen in a long time, they're all there. The only problem is, is that there's these two giant doors to get in there. And everybody's trying to open these doors, and they can't because they're too big and they're too heavy. And the strongest men in the kingdom tried to open these doors, and they couldn't. And everyone put their minds together and tried to come up with a clever way to get these doors open so everybody could get to this magnificent palace and be with the king and be happy forever, but nobody could open the doors. You got the picture of those doors in your mind? Okay, open your eyes now. Open your eyes. And if we could bring little baby Connor down the aisle so they could see. What if I told you the only one who could open these doors was a, a baby this size? You think a baby could open doors? Oh no, that. How's he even going to stand up and walk over there? And yet, that's what our story is going to be about this morning. So, I've got a storybook. You guys like stories? Look at this beautiful storybook. And I'm going to sit down and read, and I'll show you the pictures. But the pictures will be up on the screen as I read, okay? Have you ever heard the story about the sword and the stone? Raise your hand if you've heard the story about the sword and the stone. Anyone been to Disneyland and tried to pull the sword out of the stone? A couple of you know where I'm talking about. A couple of you grown-up kids know exactly where I'm talking about because you've probably got a photo op there right in front of the carousel, right? Yeah, okay. Whoever could remove the sword from the stone would be crowned the next king, but nobody could pull the sword out of the stone. The strongest men in all the kingdom tried, but one by one they all failed, for it was not the strength of their muscles that could free the sword, but the strength of their character. Eventually it was a little boy with a noble heart that was able to pull the sword from the stone and become king. So you know that story. There's probably a Disney movie about it, right? Yeah, okay. Well, there's a Christmas story that is very similar to the tale of the sword and the stone. Only in this version, there is a door that leads into the throne room of the king. And whoever was able to open the door would not only become king, but would lead the people into a glorious kingdom where they would serve the king in happiness and enjoy him forever. Just like the sword and the stone story, every person in the kingdom tried to open the door. They tried all kinds of ways to open the door, but each one was unsuccessful until one day a little baby was born that had the power to open the door. Now, many stories begin with the words, once upon a time in a land far, far away. But this story starts with the words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You see, the story about the baby who could open a door is God's story. God has always existed, and he had to create the time and the place for this story to happen. God's story begins with a man and a woman in a beautiful garden who were enjoying a perfect relationship with their God. In the Garden of Eden was everything they would need for life, including a special tree called the Tree of Life, which gave them the power to live with God forever. So here, here's a garden. Oh, it's up there too. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Let's turn the page. There was another special tree in the garden. It was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God told the man and the woman, called Adam and Eve, that they must not eat from this tree or else they would die. One day a villain entered the garden, because every story needs a villain, right? And in God's story, the villain is a fallen angel named Lucifer, or Satan. He was once a beautiful angel that became jealous of God, and he wanted to take God's place on the throne. So God cast him out of heaven as punishment for his rebellion. Satan tried to get back at God by tempting the man and the woman whom God loved to reject God. He told them that they would not die if they ate from the forbidden tree, but instead they would become like God. They would know things that only God can know so that they would no longer have to listen to God's word. The man and the woman were very foolish. They listened to Satan, who was disguised as a serpent. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, And instead of becoming like God, they became filled with guilt and shame. No longer did they feel alive and free with their God. They tried to cover themselves with leaves and hide from God in the garden. Here's a picture. Yeah. That guy's kind of creepy in the tree, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It says in Genesis 3:22 and the Lord God said the man has now become like one of us knowing good and evil he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever Man and woman could not cover their own sin and shame and they could not hide from God just as God had warned them their disobedience resulted in death In fact, God had to kill an innocent animal to make coverings for the man and woman. Death means separation. The animal was separated from its life, and Adam and Eve became separated from God. From that day on, all men and women would struggle with sin and selfishness that would cause them to be separated from God and each other. Also, God separated man and woman from the beauty of the garden and the tree of life so that they could no longer live forever. God stationed angels called cherubim at the doorway to the garden to keep the man and woman from entering into the presence of God. So they they couldn't get back in. They weren't allowed to be around God anymore because of their sin. But God is merciful, is he not? Though he rightly punished the man and the woman, he also promised that one day the seed of, a, of the woman, a baby, would come into the world and defeat the serpent. Genesis 3.24, it says, After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. And you see Adam and Eve? Do they look full of shame? and guilt, and they're sad. They they can't be in paradise anymore with God. And the door is blocked and guarded. (laughs) Hundreds of years later, the earth was filled with people who were very wicked, and God was extremely grieved. But there was one man named Noah who found favor in the eyes of God, So God determined to cleanse the world of all this wickedness. He instructed Noah to build a boat, an ark, you know this story, that would be the vessel of salvation for the animals of the world and all the people who trusted in God. The ark of salvation would only have one door. Well, there's a door again. We're going to talk a lot about doors in this story. After nearly 100 years of warning the people of the earth that God's judgment was coming, Noah and his family and the animals of the earth entered the ark by the door of salvation. But nobody else entered the ark. They either did not believe that judgment was coming or they thought that they could get to God on their own. But once God closed up the door, nobody was able to open it. Just like the door that leads into God's garden with the tree of life, the door to the ark was also the only way to have access to life. And only God can open that door. See this picture. Oh, there's another one up there. It says, two by two they came, male and female, just as God had commanded. And then the Lord God closed the door and shut them in. Did you know it was God who closed the door, not Noah? Noah. Yeah, the door's too big for Noah to close it. God shut the door. Again, hundreds of years later, Noah and his family had repopulated the earth, and once again, sinful people filled the earth. Instead of glorifying God and enjoying Him forever, the people of the world decided to build a tower to heaven. They were trying to get to heaven on their own. They wanted to glorify themselves and they thought they could make their own way to heaven instead of humbly asking God to open the door to heaven. This time God punished mankind by confusing all the languages of the people so they couldn't build the tower because they didn't understand what each other was saying. God had promised Noah that he would never again punish the people of the earth with a worldwide flood. So instead, he punished them by causing them to be separated from one another by confusing their languages. And that's why there's so many different languages all over the world today. This caused the people of the world to gather together into nations. And each nation was made of people that had the same language since people refused to listen to god's very plain language he would punish them by confusing their language it says in genesis 11:4 they said come let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven and let us make for ourselves a name otherwise we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth see the picture Yeah, You see the picture back there? I almost forgot about you guys. I'm going to get rabbit ears at some point here, huh? (laughs) Out of all the nations of the world, God determined to make one nation very special for himself. Out of this nation would come the seed, the baby that would be able to open the door to heaven. Anyone know the name of that special nation? Do you know? The nation. Name of a country. Name of a country. Lincoln? Israel. Thank you. Thank you. Israel. Out of this nation would come the seed, the baby that would be able to open the door to heaven. God made a covenant with a man named Abraham. And Abraham and his wife Sarah had a baby named Isaac. And Isaac and his wife had a baby named Jacob. And God eventually changed Jacob's name to Jesus. <laughs> Israel Keep saying Jesus, it's eventually gonna be be the, the answer. Israel became the name of God's chosen nation. Jacob, or Israel, eventually had 12 sons, and these 12 sons became a mighty nation while living in Egypt. But there was another jealous villain. Who's the villain in Egypt? He's behind the whole thing, for sure. Anyone want to take a stab at this one? Who's the villain in Egypt? Oh, begins with a PH. Oh, yeah. Pharaoh, the Pharaoh, right? The Pharaoh determined to rebel against God, so God made a way for people to be near him. He instructed his people to sacrifice an innocent lamb, just like God sacrificed an innocent animal in the Garden of Eden to cover Adam and Eve's sin. Each family was instructed to take the blood of the lamb and paint it on the post of their door. See the picture there? Yeah, it is kind of disgusting, huh? But it was to remind people that sin is very serious. And that God said if you sin, you would die. And so they painted the blood of the lamb on the door. There's another door in the Bible. Huh. The Bible has a lot to say about Doors. You see, the door that leads to life in God's kingdom is just like any other door. It lets some people in, and it keeps other people out. Each door in Egypt that had the blood of the lamb on it would keep the angel of death from entering the house, thereby also being a door that leads to life with God. God desired to lead his people into a special land where they would enjoy life in God's kingdom. This earthly kingdom was designed to help people understand how wonderful it is to be with God in his heavenly kingdom and that only God can open the door to his kingdom. As God led his people to the promised land, there were many more doors. Many more doors. Uh, Just outside of Egypt, Israel became trapped at the shore of the Red Sea. How are you going to get across the Red Sea? God made a door. Very interesting door. Thank you. Look at that door. Wow. Parted the Red Sea and they could walk right through the Red Sea. Once again, only God could open up the door to salvation. And God closed the door on the wicked Egyptians who did not worship the true God. Another time, God invited Moses to meet him on Mount Sinai, and God warned the people not to approach God's holy mountain or else they would die. When Moses returned, wicked people had made a statue of a golden calf. They thought they could make their own way to God, and many people died that day because of their wickedness. Yet another time, God instructed Israel to build a special place of worship called the tabernacle. The Ten Commandments were stored in a special box called the Ark of the Covenant, and placed in a private area called the Most Holy Place, or the Holy of Holies. Guess how you got into the Holy of Holies? A door. Yeah, another door. Could anyone just come and go through the door? No, only the people, God said, could come through the door. Only one day a year, the high priest was allowed to go through the door to make a sacrifice for the sins of the people. One day, two of the priest's sons tried to approach God without having permission to enter into his presence. Fire from heaven came down and consumed the foolish boys because only God gets to decide who can enter through his doors. Eventually, Israel did make it to the promised land. And did they go through the door into the promised land? Actually, they said, it's scary in there. We don't trust God. There's giants in the land and so God closed the door to the promised land and the disobedient people had to live in the desert for 40 years. Once all those people had died in the desert, their children were allowed to enter the promised land. Now how do you think they got in there? A door, right? They had to get across the Jordan River and God opened a door in the river, because only God can open the door into his promised land. Best of all, God made a covenant with these people and said, I will be your God and you will be my people. The Bible's filled with many stories about Israel living in the promised land, but most of these stories tell us about how much the people rebelled against God and needed his forgiveness again and again and again. There was a rebellious king of Israel named Saul who tried to make his own way to make peace with God. But there was also a king named David, a good king, a man after God's own heart. And God promised David that his throne would have no end. Later in Israel's history, God was about to banish his people from the promised land just like he had banished Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden. Just before the people were kicked out of the land... God instructed a prophet named Isaiah to declare to the people that God would send a baby as a sign that he would one day permanently save his people. And the prophet Isaiah wrote this, and I bet you've heard this before. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. For unto us a child will be born, To us a son will be given and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. You think people were pretty excited about this baby? Well, the baby didn't come for 700 years. 700 years the people waited for this baby. One day, an angel of the Lord came to a young lady named, very good, Mary, and told her that she was going to give birth to a special baby that could open the door to heaven, and she should name that baby... Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> for he shall save his people. Jesus means God saves. And that's where most people think the Christmas story begins. But now you know that the Christmas story started way back, all the way at the beginning of history. Just as God used an angel to block the entrance into heaven, this time God sent an angel to announce to the world that the door to heaven would soon be open wide. The baby Jesus became a man who performed many mighty miracles, all to demonstrate to the world that he was the one God had promised. He was the seed of the woman that would defeat Satan. He was the baby that would open the door to heaven and set God's people free. In fact, Jesus even called himself the door. Jesus called himself the door. Can you put that slide up? Ooh, can we get the slide of the door? Ah, there we go. Jesus said, "I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture." He said, "I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep." And just like the innocent animal that was killed in the Garden of Eden to cover the sin and guilt and shame of Adam and Eve, and just like the blood of the innocent lamb that covered the doorways of the houses in Egypt to protect God's people from death, Jesus became the innocent sacrifice whose blood would protect God's people from sin and death. When he was dying on the cross, a thief who was dying on another cross next to Jesus Repented and asked Jesus to remember him when he came into his kingdom. Because of this man's faith, Jesus told him, Truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Look at that. Jesus was able to bring people back into paradise. Because of the man's faith, he was saved. Jesus has the power to lead people back into paradise. The first man, Adam, was banished from paradise because of his sin and disobedience. But the last man, Jesus Christ, can open the door to heaven because of his righteousness and obedience. Remember I told you at the beginning of the story that only God can open the door to heaven? And that men have been trying unsuccessfully since the beginning of time to open the door to heaven. They've been trying to open the door with their good works. They've been trying to open the door with their money. They've been trying to open the door with their fame. These things don't open the door to heaven. That's the miracle of Christmas. God himself became a man that could open the door to heaven and lead his people into the kingdom of God Jesus died on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. And he did not stay dead because he's God. And God is for, forever. He is eternal. On the third day after he was buried, the door of his tomb, another door, was opened by an angel. You're right. You guys are listening really good. Lots of doors and angels in God's story. Just as an angel closed the door leading into the Garden of Eden, an angel opened the door leading to the empty tomb. And now all who believe in the risen Jesus have access to eternal life. For God so loved the world, you want to say this with me? That he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. John 3, Music to my ears. Oh, By believing in Jesus, we can follow him back to paradise where we will have access to the tree of life again. That's the Christmas story. It's not really about Christmas trees and Christmas presents and gift receipts so you can return. Yeah. It's about... It's about doors, you're right. Having the door to heaven opened by a little baby. It's not just about a baby, but a baby who could open a door that no other person on earth could open. Because he's not just any baby, he is God's son, he is God in human flesh, he is God with us, Emmanuel. And furthermore, guess what? It's not just a story. It's not a fairy tale. It's not like a movie you go see. It's real. It's true. Jesus not only stands at the door, he is the door, and he is beckoning all of us to come and be with God forever. Turn from our sins. Turn from trying to be our own gods. Turn from trying to open the door to heaven on our own. So give glory to the newborn king and enjoy him forever in his kingdom. Now doesn't that sound like they lived happily ever after? Amen. The end. Very good <laughs> listeners. You can go back to your seats. It's only one thing you could do after hearing a story like that and singing praises to this king. Perhaps that's the first time you've heard that story. And like I said, it's not just a story. It's real. We know it's real because... It's been revealed to us in the Word of God. Jesus was really a man. He really came. He really performed miracles. He really died on a cross. And He really rose the third day and appeared to many, including 500, at one time. And He's ascended into heaven and He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And He prays for The saints, for all those who believe in him, and that could be you today. You could believe in Jesus and know that he is praying for you and preparing a place for you in heaven. You want that door open to you, he says, all you must do is believe. Believe. If that was something you'd like to do this morning while we're singing the last two songs, we're going to have members of our pastoral team. Um, If if Nathan could station himself over here and some of our elders maybe over here, we'd love to pray for you. Or maybe you need prayer this morning because you're hurting. It's been a hard season. I know Christmas can be hard for many. We'd love to pray with you, answer any questions. So while we're singing praises to the newborn king, if you'd like to come forward for prayer, we'll, we'll be over on the sides. And then afterwards, stick around. I think there's a little more... Donuts and coffee that need to be polished up in the chapel. Stick around for some fellowship. God bless you and Merry Christmas.